0: Well, our scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. We'll be reading from verses 14 uh, through 21. So I invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles with me there. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, this is one of my favorite passages of scripture because I think that it, it spells out for us the gospel, the good news of Jesus, as well as our response to that, what our lives are called to look like in response to that. And so we're going to read and, and look at what Paul might be saying for us, what God has for us today. Here in 2 Corinthians, beginning uh, here, chapter 5, verse 14. It says, for the love of Christ urges us on, because we are convinced that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died, And was raised for them. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer in that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we're ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So my wife and I, uh, when we first were married, uh, we were sponsors through compassion. Uh, That was was before we had five kids. Uh, Now, Now we just sponsor our own kids and make sure they have food. And and actually, if anybody wants to send me $39 a month, I'll give you a picture of my kid uh, (laughs) that you can have. Um, But but I remember when we had uh, compassion kids, uh, that they would always uh, encourage us to give more or to send more or to do more. And, And the way that they would do this is they would present a problem, and then offer us the solution, which would be to send our money. So they would send something in the mail and say, oh, you know, kids who are in poverty are more likely to experience violence, more likely to experience, you know, theft and forced labor and abuse and exploitation. Uh, and so, you know, these children are, are in high-risk areas, and your gifts can make a difference in this kid's life. And you'd see a picture of the child, and, and it would encourage you to give. And it was a compelling and powerful message. You know, here's a big problem. We've got a solution, and you can play a part by by giving. You give us your money to do it. Uh, As as we're moving into election season this year, you might notice some similar messaging from the different politicians who are going to be running, whether it's this year or next year's election. Uh, They'll tell us, there's some problems. There's some really big problems, and I've got a solution for it. You know, both of them will tell you this, both sides, or there's a third side, and you know, but we've got a solution, and and you can play a part. Send us some money, and and vote for us, right? I mean, there's a call to action, a message, there's a need, a big need, there's a solution and a call to action, and our response is to give, and to vote, and to encourage other people to do that same thing. As we dig into Paul's letter to the Corinthians, we notice uh, perhaps a similar pattern, you know, Paul is assuming as we're reading this letter that we can recognize there are big problems in the world around us, that this world is not the way that it should be. So he offers a solution to us and a call to action. But his call to action isn't for us to, you know, send money to a particular place. Uh, his call to action isn't for us to put our hopes and our trust in voting in a particular political candidate. Uh, our, our call to action is to see that s- the solution for the world's problems is found in Jesus and his life, his death, his resurrection, and his reconciling love that's been offered to us. And the call to action for us is to first be reconciled to God and then to be reconciled with others. Now a little bit of helpful background for our passage this morning is to know that that Paul has a special connection and relationship with the Corinthians. I mean, this is a church that he helped to start and launch and get off the ground. And as they were established, he would then go off and travel and visit with uh, other churches and help start and launch other churches. But he always stayed in connection with the Corinthian church. I mean, there's multiple letters that have gone back and forth between Paul and the Corinthians. And while this is Second Corinthians, it's at least his third letter. It's not called Third Corinthians because we don't have the the other ones. We couldn't find those, but they found these. And so, uh, Paul and the Corinthians, they write back and forth. Uh, they, they're in connection with one another. In his first letter, you know, Paul writes to them in 1 Corinthians, and a lot of it's addressing some of the issues. They've told him, hey, we've got some problems. We've got this going on, and this going on, and this going on. And it's kind of like a parent, uh, you know, of a child he's offering them wisdom and correction for the problems that they've experienced. He rambles on a little bit and lectures, kind of like a, a parent would for their children, but he's solving their problems. But then somewhere between that first letter and this one, uh, Paul and the Corinthians had some issues. Uh, they had a little bit of a disagreement. The Corinthians said some things that were hurtful to Paul, and so Paul first goes to visit with them to try to make amends, to try to fix things. That doesn't work, and so then he moves on to another place And he writes this letter to them. And in this letter, he's using the context of their own broken relationship uh, to point out the bigger picture of the problems that we see in the world. For Paul, the problems that we see in the world exist because there are broken relationships with one another, with the people around us, but primarily because there's a broken relationship that exists between creation and the Creator. And that broken relationship that exists between us and God plays itself out and the dysfunction and the brokenness and the hurt and the woundedness that we see in the world around us. Paul doesn't go all the way back to Genesis, but he, he assumes that we have this in mind, that we know what takes place in the beginning. That when God created the world, uh, that God made everything and said that it was good, and then God created humans, people me and you. And he placed us in the world as, as a part of his plan. And he gave us a special purpose. And God gave humans, you know, special responsibilities uh, and a special call within their being a part of his good earth. The first thing that we were created to do was to be in a relationship with him. The second thing that God created us for was to be in relationship with one another. And the third thing was that we would be his ambassadors. We would bear his image in the world around us, and we would care for the earth in the way that he would. We would look out for it as the way that he would. And so for God, it's, it's all about relationships. And so Paul is pointing us back to those relationships, the relationship with God first, our relationship with others, and then who we are called and what we are called to do within the world around us. Now, as the story unfolds across the history of the world, we see that God also created humans, us people, with liberty. God gave us the freedom to choose. And humanity has decided again and again and again to question whether God's way is the right way. And more times than not, humanity has decided against it. And so this sin against God creates a rift in that relationship between creation and creator. And humanity lives as enemies of God with each person seeking to live their own way instead of God's way. And so the brokenness in that relationship with our Creator begins to spread and infect all of our other relationships around us. And we see this story being played out over the centuries and millennia of human history. And humanity and all of creation bear the mark of this woundedness, the woundedness of our relationships with our Creator, the woundedness of our relationships with one another. And we carry it on as a result of this sin the result of our living in opposition to the one who created us. And try as we might to solve it on our own, and there's many people that try to solve the dysfunctions and the problems of this world on their own. The broken pieces, the broken lives, and the broken relationships continue to just pile up and pile up. And Paul's message to the Corinthians to us, I mean really the Bible's message as a whole is that there is a solution to the problems that we see, to the dysfunction that we see, to the broken relationships that exist around us. There is a healing for the woundedness and the brokenness that exists in this world and in our lives. But it's not something that that you can do on your own. It's not something that we can make happen of our own will. The divide and the brokenness in relationships is so great that it's not something we can reconcile on our own doing. In fact, when we try to make it right on our own, oftentimes we end up just making it worse. Because the root cause of the brokenness in the world is the broken relationship between us and God, because we have lived as enemies of God, this wound is something that only God can heal. It's a tear that only God can mend. It's a divide that only God can bring together. Now, a friend of mine was recently telling me a story about an uncle who he hadn't seen in 45 years. It was his mother's twin brother and the family had had a falling out when he was a young child. And so he knew his uncle, he knew his uncle existed, but he had no memories of him. He had no connection, no relationship. So following some deaths in the family, he decided that he was going to go track him down. And his research led him to a city here in Florida. And so off he went to go visit him unannounced uh, just to check in and pay a visit. He didn't know if his uncle would receive him or reject him. He didn't know if he would be welcomed at the door or told to get away. Yet he went to offer reconciliation to his uncle. He pulled into the driveway and walked up to the door. He said him and his uncle, they stood there staring deeply into each other's faces for what seemed like forever. Then the tears began to flow and they embraced in a hug that began to make up for those 45 years that they hadn't known each other. They've got a new relationship now. Paul would say that this is similar to what Jesus has done for us. When we were estranged and separated from God because of our sin, that Jesus came looking for us, showed up on the doorstep and said, I'm here to make things right, to offer you an invitation to be right jesus showed up and he gave us the option to receive him or to reject him the choice of whether we would welcome him in tell him come on in or whether we would tell him to go away jesus came and he offered reconciliation to us he came and he said i'm the healing for the woundedness of your souls i i am the forgiveness of your sin i've come to make right your relationship with god and to make right all of creation's relationship with its creator this is what paul's explaining Uh, to the Corinthians in verse 21. And he says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in order for our relationship to be made right with God, in order for our uh, reconciliation to take place, our very nature had to be made new. Jesus, our mediator, perfect and holy in every way, took on our nature, our our humanness, our brokenness, our woundedness, our sinfulness. And our nature was crucified on a cross. Jesus died the death that is the result of our sin. And he invites each of us to receive him. Uh, He invites each of us to receive that gift. Three days later, uh, Christ was raised from the dead. And in his resurrection, he has conquered the power of sin and death. And through his life, death, and resurrection, all who place their faith in him, all who find their identity in his love, all who open the door when he pulls up in the driveway, have his righteousness as their own and are able to be in a right relationship with God. When you say yes to Jesus, when you open the door and let him in, it marks a new beginning, a new start in life. That's why Paul says in verse 17, he says, if anyone is in Christ, if anybody said yes to Jesus, if anybody has let them enter into the door of their life and of their heart, then the new creation has come. If right? the old is gone, it's dead, the new you has been raised with Christ. Being a new creation means that you're allowing Christ to, to heal your brokenness, means that his love and his forgiveness, you're allowing it to come in and to begin washing out whatever guilt you hold on to, whatever shame that you've allowed to cover you, all the things that have marred you and your relationships, the wounds from others that you've carried. You're saying, Jesus, come in. Forgive my sin. Heal this work in my heart and in my life. And each and every part of you is made new as you allow Christ to enter in, as you move from death into life. And this being a new creation means not only that there's this healing work that God does in your life, but it means that God also gives us a new way of seeing the world. He's not just changing our heart. He's changing our mind. He's changing our vision. He's changing the way that we that we listen. He's doing this new work within us. Paul says from now on, we don't look at people from a human point of view. Instead, we're looking at people through God's eyes. From now on, I don't live for myself and try to solve all the problems on my own with my own wisdom and my own way of doing things, but instead I live for the one who has saved me and healed me, and I live as an ambassador for him, to do his will and not mine. As an ambassador, I speak and I act as somebody who represents God in the world. I speak and I act as somebody who represents God in my family. I speak and I act as somebody who's representing God in my neighborhood. I'm representing God when I go to work. I'm representing God within all of my relationships, my networks with others, the spheres of influence that God has placed me in. I'm going as an ambassador to represent God's message, his will, and his ways. And a part of that living in as an ambassador means that I'm, I'm becoming a minister of reconciliation. It doesn't mean that suddenly my life has become perfect and I'm going to get it right all the time. But since I've been reconciled with God, I'm committed to reconciliation in my relationships. That means whenever I mess up, I'm supposed to admit it. I confess. It means when somebody does something that that offends me, that hurts me, that I forgive them in the same way that Christ forgave me. That I offer that forgiveness to them, whether they receive it, or whether they choose to reject it, I'm offering that to them because God first offered that to me. This is God's solution to the problem, to the big problems, to the dysfunction, to the brokenness that we see in the world around us. It's how God is at work to make the world good again. That God is inviting you into a reconciled relationship with him. Offering to make you new in Christ Jesus and that God is empowering you by the Holy Spirit's working within you to participate in that ministry of reconciliation in your relationships with others and the spheres of influence that God has put you in to live and to act as an ambassador for him, to live as one who has been reconciled, to live as one who's been made right, to live as one who's been made new. This morning, you know, maybe Jesus is standing at the door of your life and he's saying, let's be reconciled. Let me heal your brokenness. I want to make you new. That's you in a minute. I'm going to pray and I'll just invite you to to pray along with me the words that i'm saying to pray them in your heart uh, To say yes, jesus that i'm open to this work that you have that you want to do in my life Maybe this morning you're saying that you know, you've experienced reconciliation with christ You've experienced this being made new in jesus, but but you need to experience some healing in your relationships uh, some ongoing healing that needs to take place in your heart, within your soul, within your life. And so I'd invite you when we celebrate communion to take that time to pray. To take that time to pray and ask God to, to give you the courage to forgive where you need to forgive. To ask God to let you let go of things that you might need to let go of. To ask God to give you the courage to confront or to confess. Uh, but to meet people where you need to meet them. and To find that that part of reconciliation that he has for you. Or maybe this morning, you know, maybe your relationship with God is good. Your relationship with others is going pretty well. But you feel like, you know what? I haven't, I haven't really been living as an ambassador for Christ. I'm not l- really living as somebody who's been sent into the world to bear his image, to point others to his way. You need God to open your eyes to the places where you can live out this message of reconciliation. I would just invite you to pray to God... Give me your eyes, help me to see the world. Help me to see others the way that you do. Give me your wisdom, help me to help me to walk in your path. Lord, help me to live in my words and my actions and my thoughts and the things that I do to live as Jesus would live. I want to invite you to pray that together with me. Let us let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, uh, we confess. Uh, that we have sinned and fallen short of what you have created us to do. We recognize the brokenness in the world and then uh, our brokenness in our relationship with you. We thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be made right with you. We, We receive that gift of grace and we pray that you would do that transforming work in our lives. We pray not only would you make us new, but that we would experience and know the power of your Holy Spirit to truly change us from the inside out, to help us to see the world the way that you do, to see others through your eyes, to be able to extend and offer the same kind of grace and mercy to others that you have given to us. May we truly live as your ambassadors, letting others know about the good news of Jesus. We pray this all in his name. Amen.